Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I feel like I'm back in the classroom. I'm getting a little excited up here right now. We'll get that in just a few minutes, and we'll get to your little sheets of paper with the circles in just a few minutes, so just bear with me and just kind of hang tight. We'll get there. Let me pray for us, and we're going to jump in this morning. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity now to study your word. Our Lord, is the foundation upon which we build our lives. It's your words to us. And so, Father, right now, uh, even in my own weakness, Lord, speak to these precious people. Speak through the power of the Spirit into their hearts and into their minds, Lord, and let them sense your presence right now and your power. And as they read your words, I pray that it would be very clear to them, very understandable, Father. And I pray, Lord, as as we um, just examine our own hearts, Lord, that through the power of the Spirit we could become more and more transformed into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles open to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. I joke with people sometimes if it's hard to find Colossians. I used to remember it like this. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn. So we're in the corn part, I guess. Colossians. Chapter 4, as you're finding your way there, let me just remind you, exciting things going on this summer. You know, summer used to be a time of relaxation. Now, I think it may be the busiest time of the year. There's so many activities and so many things to be involved in. Very exciting here. Camp Viola, a couple of weeks ago, New York this last week. We have a team in Alaska right now. They landed safely last night. We'll be there for a week doing park ministry. Great things upcoming. And then Mission LaGrange. Let's pull the slide up if we could, please. Wanda, Mission LaGrange, July 16th through the 22nd. That's not this coming week, but the next Next, there are little calendars all over the church that you can grab that kind of list out all the different things happening. Uh, it'll give you every day and every activity color-coded so you can kind of plan your week. Uh, I think there's something almost every hour of every day. So you can find something to do, whether it's morning, afternoon, or evening. And I'm going to challenge you, like I've been doing the last several weeks, do something. Be involved on some level. Okay, you can go into the breezeway this uh, uh, morning as you're leaving or walking out. You can sign up for any of the events taking place. There are big posters there on the wall. You've probably already seen them. Sign up, get involved, prayer walk, as, as Lee said. And just to be clear, I, I use this phrase a lot, and I don't know if I've ever explained it. I guess it's self-explanatory, but prayer walking is just when you're walking around praying. It's kind of simple, but incredibly powerful. Uh, we do it in, in, in different parts of the world on mission trips. They do it in... Obviously, New York, they're going to do it in other places we've been. And so you can sign up and do something, be involved, be part of this process. Uh, I want you to do something over the week of Mission LaGrange. Now, I've been challenging you the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to do it again this morning, with this idea of reaching our community for Christ, but specifically on more of a personal note, sharing your faith with others. Uh, sharing your faith, sharing the idea of salvation, speaking truth in the lives of others. And so we're going to look again this morning at an example of sharing our faith and kind of a model that Paul gives us uh, of 
helping us understand how we ought to share and how we ought to go about this business of reaching the world for Christ. And so we're just going to jump right in this morning because we got a lot to look at and I'm going to get to this in a little while. But Colossians chapter 4, I think we have it on the screen as well, beginning verse 2, talking about the good news, talking about sharing our faith, talking about really making a difference in the world. Right when you when you get excited about something, uh, we went on vacation earlier in the year, and I know many of you have been, and and you look on Facebook or Instagram or whatever you use, and their pictures and their videos, and you like to tell your stories about what what you've done and what you've seen. Why? Because you're excited. It's almost as if you kind of got good news to share. Paul would have us understand, and all the New Testament would have us understand. Christ has given us this good news. He's given us this story. We ought to be excited to share it. We ought to be excited to share our faith and to tell the world what Christ has done in our lives. And so Paul's going to get into that in Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. He finishes the book with kind of this call and this challenge to these people. Colossians 4.2 Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you ought to answer each person. There's a lot of things in there, a lot of truth we could pull, but there's some main ideas I want you to see related to prayer and related to conversations with others. And so the first truth I want to think about this morning is this. Number one, we have it on the screen. Paul would say to us first, you should should devote yourselves to praying for the lost. One, one of the things we ought to be doing as believers based on this truth and based on other truths is we should devote ourselves to praying for the lost. Now the ESV uses the phrase continue steadfastly in prayer. The NIV uses the word devote and I, and I like the word devote because we understand what it means to be devoted. Right? Some of you know there are about 55 days until something happens. College football. Right? I've got a little app that tells me. That's why I know. Right? It's kind of weird. Kind of goofy. Kind of nerdy. Right? I've got an app to tell me how many. About 55 days left. 54 now. Whatever it is. Until kickoff. Right? And I find myself, college football fans. Right? I guess everybody is in the South. I find myself getting a little excited about it. I think about it. Right? Fall's coming. And I, of course, I love Georgia. But I love college football in general. And I'll watch games of teams that I don't know just because I enjoy the sport. And I'm kind of I'm kind of devoted to that team. And I'm kind of devoted to that sport. And in the fall when it finally rolls around, I will wake up on a Saturday morning with a sense of excitement. Men, ladies, right? You know what I'm talking about. We're just kind of excited. It's game day, man. Kickoff, right? We got now, what, three months of college football and it's exciting, right? I'm, I'm kind of devoted to that and I, and I love that and there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I understand the idea of being devoted. Like I'm devoted to my spouse and my family like you are, devoted to my church, devoted to college football, whatever it is. We, we understand the idea of devotion. We, we get that, right? But I'm always challenged when I read these verses about prayer to ask myself just in, in, in complete transparency how devoted I am to prayer versus the other things in my life. Like if I were going to be honest and and rank the things of devotion in my life, where would prayer fit in that list? 
Right now, I wonder sometimes, do, do I wake up on regular mornings of the year as excited and devoted to praying for the lost as I am about college football? And that's a challenging question to ask. Paul says we need to be devoted, we need to be steadfast, we need to remember on a regular basis those that are lost, we should be praying for those people. Now this isn't new, right? This isn't just kind of one isolated uh, verse and we're not kind of cherry picking. We're not saying, well, this is one time Paul said this and we're going to overlook that, right? We find it all through Scripture. I mean, prayer is is everywhere in the New Testament. Acts 2, 42, the the new church, right? The, The New Testament church, the first century church. It talks about kind of what they did and they devoted themselves to the apostles. Teaching, to breaking bread and to fellowship and to prayer, they, they spent great amounts of time praying together. We see verses like Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Paul says in Ephesians six eighteen, pray on all occasions. Right? We see all of these scripture verses, we see all of these ideas all through the Bible that we should be praying, yet it's been said that prayer is our greatest but most unused resource. Right? There, is, there is absolute power in prayer, and yet for whatever reason we set it aside. Right? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I think I know the answer to the question, but I'm curious, if I, if I went around the room and I asked how many of you have seen prayer answered in your life, I bet every person would affirm that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Lord answered this prayer or that prayer. Some of them are pretty miraculous. We've seen some pretty incredible things over the years in the way the Lord has answered prayer. It's a very powerful resource. And yet on our priorities list, on our list of things we're devoted to, it's probably pretty far down the list. And so I want to kind of give you three things to just to remind you of the importance of prayer. These are kind of sub-points under this main idea of being devoted. But they're kind of three things I want to remind you about that are related to prayer that are important. We have them on the screen as well. We should remember that there's power in prayer because it demonstrates our trust in the Lord. I think we have that up. There it is. There's power in prayer because it demonstrates our trust in the Lord. Right? Well, one of the reasons we pray is because we acknowledge to the Lord that He can do something about this situation. Right? If you're like me, you like to control things. You kind of like to be in control of your little world and situations. And, and when we pray to the Lord, we're kind of saying to Him, Listen, Lord, I don't really have any control over this. That There's not really anything I can do about this, but I trust you, I believe you can work, and so I'm going to pray this to you and demonstrate to you that I trust you enough to work in this situation. That's what prayer does for us. Another thing prayer does is it reminds us that God delights in our asking. Right, God, God wants us to ask because prayer works. A quote from Wayne Grudem, who's a theologian that I love, he, he kind of reminds us sometimes of, of the importance of prayer, but sometimes of how we miss it. Here's, here's what he says. He says, if we were really convinced, and this is very powerful to me, that prayer changes the way God acts and that God does bring about remarkable changes in the world in response to prayer, as Scripture repeatedly teaches that He does, then we would pray much more than we do. 
If we, re- if we really believed that God was going to change things through prayer, as the Scripture says it does, and as, oh, by the way, we have seen it happen over the years, if we really believed God was going to change things through prayer, we'd pray a lot more often. And yet, for some reason, we, we, we can't find the time to do it. You know, God, God delights in our asking. I, th- I think about this, and I, I, I kind of think about it along the lines of my children, or maybe like your grandchildren. You know, if you've been a grandparent or a parent long enough, you, you kind of maybe know when a, when a little kid comes to you, a child comes to you, and they're going to ask or say something to you. You may already kind of know what's going on, or you've observed, or you've kind of already heard, and so you know what they're going to ask, or maybe you know what they're going to say, and yet just that conversation with your child is kind of what's important, right? It's just the time of being close and intimate and in that personal time with your child, right? You just love those opportunities to speak truth into the life of your child or spend opportunity, spend those times talking to them or, or opportunities sharing with them things of life or whatever the situation is, whatever they want to know. It's not so much about the information you give them, which can be important. It's about the opportunity you have being there with them. Right? We just enjoy and we love and we find peace in that. God delights when we ask Him. Proverbs chapter 15 Verse 8 says, The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases Him. Right, so we, we go to the Lord because He delights in our asking. And, and then finally, kind of the, the third little sub one here, we, we go to the Lord simply in prayer because it works. Right, prayer is effective. Prayer is powerful. I, I, I promise you, if you were to spend some time writing down the things you pray for, and then you were to go back at some time later, month or two, or whatever, and, and look back over the last several weeks and the several months of things you've prayed for and begin to check off the things God has answered, you'll be amazed at how He works. You'll be amazed at what He does. You'll be amazed at the way in which He responds when you pray to Him. But I love what Paul does here, right? Because he kind of tells us we should continue steadfastly. We should be devoted to prayer. But then he gives us some specifics. Look at verse 2 again, if you would pull that up for me. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And then verse 3. And pray for us too, uh, pray for us also, that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. And then verse 4. Pray, verse 4, pray that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak, right? So, so Paul says we need to devote ourselves to prayer, yes. We need to remember the power of prayer. But number two, very specifically, we need to pray for an open door to proclaim the gospel clearly. We ought to be praying on a regular basis that God would open the door for us in our lives to proclaim the gospel clearly to somebody. So, so we should kind of start our day or at some point in our day have this prayer. Lord, I, I want you to open up for me an opportunity today to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I want you to present somebody to me in my life today and remind me of this passage and give me a chance to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I promise you, right? I promise you, if you'll begin to pray that prayer, you'll be amazed at the people that will pop up in your life and God will remind you of this text. Like Adam, you prayed, you know, for an open door. You prayed for an opportunity. Now you're standing next to this guy and you started this conversation. Here's a chance. This is an open door now for you to proclaim the gospel clearly. 
Right, I look at these little sheets back here in the hall for Mission LaGrange and all the different opportunities. And, and I think, you know, there are so many different chances throughout this coming week to proclaim the gospel clearly. The Lord's going to open up so many doors. You know, we're, we're going to do, my family's going to do one of the kids' clubs. We kind of do that with our kids. That's easy for us. And we go and we serve. And, and I love being out there and around those kids. And I enjoy that. But, but my real calling, I think, in those moments is not so much with the kids. There, there are people that are better with children than me. My calling is the mom and dad that brought them to kids' club. So I've got this chance now because the kids are coloring or hearing a Bible story or eating a a snack or doing a craft or whatever. Mom and dad are kind of hanging off in the distance or sitting on a park bench. I get the chance now in this moment to go to mom and dad and just strike up a conversation and pray that the Lord would open the door for me so I can proclaim the gospel clearly to this person. I think about our, our laundromat ministry that so many of you have done. The opportunity of, of walking in and paying for somebody to wash their clothes and to dry their clothes. And all of a sudden you've got about an hour now built in that God gives you and you pray for an open door so I can proclaim the gospel to this person that I'm sitting beside. Lord, just, just give me this chance. Give me this opportunity. You, you men or ladies that are going to do construction... Construction is great because we go and we work on somebody's house and we repair and fix and whatever the case may be. And a lot of times we go into that situation and the thing at the top of our priority list is fixing the house. And it should be. That's why we're there. But, but at some point in that process, that team needs to think, you know, the person that's living in this house needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we pray, Lord, as I go and work on this roof or fix this door or build this ramp or whatever you call me to do, Lord, would you open a door for me while I'm there to proclaim the gospel clearly to the people that live here? I think about work. Think about, think about school. Think about the ball field. Think about all the different things you're involved in and all the people you come in contact with and all the opportunities you have. Are, are we praying that God would open a door so we can clearly proclaim the gospel to those people? Paul says that that needs to be our prayer. We need to be devoted to that. We need to proclaim it clearly. We need to pray that God gives us these incredible opportunities to do that. I just, I just wonder how much our community would be affected if the people of the Lord devoted themselves to praying for the lost and then began to pray for open doors and then had opportunities and then took those opportunities to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Clearly, I just wonder how our community would change because of what we could do. But I want you to look at what Paul does. We need to kind of get on through this because I want to get to this illustration here in the back here in just a minute. Colossians chapter 4, 5, and 6. Right? And then he gives us some more specifics. Right? So we're praying for the laws. We're devoting ourselves to praying for the laws. We're praying for open doors. We want to proclaim clearly the gospel of Christ. Then in verse 5, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Season with salt so you may know how to answer Everyone, here's the third truth. As we have these conversations, we must be wise towards outsiders making the most of every opportunity. We we need to look for those chances. We need to pray for those chances. We need to be aware of those chances. And then when we have those chances, we need to make the most of those opportunities. And I I can't speak for the Lord. I, I can't obviously speak for the Spirit. But we're never guaranteed a second opportunity to share Christ with somebody. They're never guaranteed a second opportunity to hear the gospel. 
And so as the Spirit works in our heart and we're in these moments and we see an open door and we, we sense the presence of the Spirit calling us to speak to these people, we need to make the most of that opportunity. Because we're never promised another moment. And so I want to help you make the most of that opportunity by, by showing you just a real simple model this morning. So I want you to do something. I want you to take out the little sheet of paper that I gave you. You can, you can get that sheet of paper out and get a pen ready if you would. This is a very simple model that you can use as you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody. Now, we've been teaching this. We've been talking a little bit about this. Uh, this is in some of the Sunday School material. Lifeway has been pushing this a little bit. It's kind of a simple model. It's called Three Circles Evangelism. It's real easy. I'm going to spend a little more time on it this morning, kind of drawing it out here on the board because I want you to see it and understand it. But you can do it in just a few minutes with a paper napkin or a sheet of paper. I think there's an app even that has it on the app that will kind of walk you through it. It's just a real simple little model for you to kind of understand and to use to clearly now, we're trying to clearly communicate the gospel of Christ, asking for open doors that the Lord will bless us. So your sheet of paper should have three circles that look something like this, basically. Okay? Now, there are a couple different ways of doing that. You can kind of go in different orders, but we're going to start over here and we're going to write the word brokenness in it. Brokenness has two N's and two S's, by the way. looks kind of weird, but brokenness. So we're going to just kind of talk, and I'm going to kind of pretend like I'm sharing with you. I'm going to kind of go through the story very simple, and you can write it down as we go. And then I'll kind of go over it again very quickly one more time. This is just a simple model for you to share your faith with somebody. So you're talking to somebody, and you start with this idea of brokenness, and you start with something like this. Uh, you know, when I have conversations with people, oftentimes uh, struggles come up that they're dealing with. That's just kind of the nature of life. How are you doing? Well, we're okay, but this is going on. And the more you talk to somebody, you kind of get into what they're going through and the struggles of life. We, we live in a world of brokenness, don't we? It's just real simple. I mean, you, don't, you don't have to look far <clears throat> or spend a lot of time in conversation to recognize that we live in a place of brokenness. Uh, there's disease, there's death, there's uh, sickness, there are wars, there's poverty, there are marital problems and divorce, problems with kids, crime, and on and on the list goes... We live in a world of brokenness. You're not going to have any trouble convincing anybody of that. That's pretty simple, right? But what we need to understand is that that's not the original plan. In fact, God had a perfect design when He created everything. So God created everything perfectly, right? In fact, if you were to go back, if you wanted to read some scripture to him or just kind of explain to him a little bit, Genesis 1, God created everything. He looked at everything and he said that everything was good. So God kind of had this perfect plan to, to be in fellowship with us, to be in right standing with us. But, right, he created everything good. But because of what the Bible calls sin, we find ourselves in brokenness. Because of the sin that we've had, because of the sin in our lives, and if you wanted to get into a little bit of that with them, you could. And, and usually I try to explain to people that, that everybody's sinned. It's certainly not just them, it's me as well. Because of sin, we now live in a world of brokenness, right? But that's not God's plan for us. 
That's not His original design. How do we get out of brokenness? Well, the way we get out of brokenness is through a man named Jesus Christ. Or you could write gospel if you wanted to. Some people use the word gospel or Jesus. And, and we say something pretty simple to people. We say, listen, Jesus, and we can draw a couple of errors. Jesus came to this earth, and we draw a little error down, and He entered our brokenness, right? And through the cross, He gave us a way out. So Jesus entered the world, <clears throat> He died on the cross, and you can use kind of the same words you've been using. His body was broken for us. And, and because of what Jesus did here, if we will turn from the brokenness and from our sins and from our failures, and we will believe in Him, right? So we understand there's a perfect plan. We've been sinful and we find ourselves in a place of brokenness. But because of what Jesus did, He entered the brokenness through the cross. He was broken on the cross, died for our sins. If we'll turn and believe in Him, it will allow us to enter again into God's perfect design and grow in a relationship with Him. Right? So it, again, we're just making some simple circles, simple ideas, big picture ideas here. Turn and believe in Jesus. We'll grow in Him. Now here's what a lot of people do, right? A, a lot of people try to get out of brokenness on their own. Right? So they recognize that there's something wrong. They recognize they've made some mistakes. They, they recognize that they're not where they want to be. And again, it doesn't take long to have a conversation with somebody to realize they're trying to get out of brokenness. They, they just don't know how. And so people try to get out of brokenness with a lot of different things. And, and you can draw some errors here. Like they try to get out with education. Right? They think the more they can know, maybe they can get out of this brokenness. Or they think, you know, I can, I can have a, a certain amount of success in life and I can get out of this brokenness. Or, or some people turn to, to relationships and they say, you know, if I have this certain relationship with this person, I can come out of brokenness. And, and then other people have this thing, this thought, that if, and I take drugs or alcohol or something else, I can get out of brokenness. And people are doing everything they can to, to get out because they don't want to be in. And they, they miss this simple truth of Jesus and what Jesus accomplished and turning and believing and growing in a relationship in His perfect design. Now, here's the most beautiful part, and here's kind of the, the way this ends, and it's really cool, because once we've kind of gone through the cycle, which, by the way, we all have, once we've gone through this cycle and, and we find ourselves trying to live out God's perfect design, God allows us then this, this beautiful opportunity to go or to be sent back into the brokenness. And so God now saves us, He allows us to live in His perfect plan, and then we go or we are sent back into the brokenness to reach those people for Christ. And then you end with just a, re a real simple question. Hey, listen, there are really kind of two people in the world. There, there are people that are kind of living in God's perfect design, or there are people that are living in brokenness. Where are you? And depending on where they are with Christ or what they've done, I, I got a feeling most of the people you're going to talk to are going to say, you know, I'm just broken. I'm, I'm broken because of what I'm struggling with. I'm broken because of my marriage. I'm broken because of whatever. It gives you this great opportunity now to share the gospel with them. It's a very simple, quick model. You can do it on a napkin. You can do it on a sheet of paper. And so I want to challenge you with something and I want you to challenge me with something. I, I came in this morning and I usually spend time early in the morning on Sunday looking back over my sermon and uh, just kind of thinking back through the notes and, and highlighting and even making changes oftentimes. That's kind of what my morning is like. And then I always pray for a few minutes before I come in here and preach. I just was led this morning to spend more time in prayer. 
I just felt the Lord was saying to me, you know, just set the notes aside and just pray. And so I just did that. I set the notes aside and I prayed and I had a little sheet of paper. I wanted to write down what I was sensing the Lord saying. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me just very simply, look, challenge these people with this truth. They need to hear it. They need to share it. It will work. God's going to open doors for you. But He also challenged me with something. Now, this is a new model for me. I usually use the Roman road, but this is new for me. I love it. I think it's simple. I haven't had the opportunity to use it yet, but here's what the Lord said to me. You need to tell those people they need to hold you accountable for this this week, Adam. And so I want you to know, I want to be held accountable for using this model. I plan on praying this prayer this week that the Lord would open a door for me, that I would have the opportunity to clearly share the gospel, the conversation be seasoned with grace and with salt. And so my plan this week is to begin to pray, Lord, allow me an opportunity, open a door for me to share this message of Christ, this very simple model with somebody this week. And I'm going to stand up next week and let you know how it went. Now, I'm not going to ask you to stand up unless you want to, but I'm going to challenge you, use it. You, you can find a time this week, I promise, I promise you, there's an opportunity for you to use this week. Pray about it. I asked you last week to, to pick one person, one person on your heart that's not a believer, one person that may need to know Jesus Christ, whoever that person is or, or whoever the, the Lord has laid on your heart, use this model on that person or even somebody else if He opens up a door for you. But let's find opportunities this week. Let's allow the Lord to open up doors for us to challenge us in our faith and challenge us in our walk to spend time sharing our faith. And we've been given the good news. We have a hope that the world doesn't have. The world's living in brokenness. And they're looking for everything they can find to get out of brokenness. None of these things are going to lead them there. God's given us the good news. He's given us the truth. We need to use it. We need to share it with all that would hear. Okay, let's pray together this morning as we finish up. Father, we thank you for the opportunity again to share your word. It's clear, Lord. It's, it's compelling. We thank you for this letter that Paul wrote, Father, and for his words. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to use us and challenge us, Father, and give us the ability to hear more and more from you. Lord, I pray you'd open up doors for us so that they would very clearly this week be able to share the gospel. Lord, I pray that there'd be somebody, you'd put somebody in our path this week. You would open the door this week so that somebody could hear the news of Christ. And then, Lord, give us the confidence And, Lord, the conviction really to share this model with somebody and then lead people, Lord, to you. I pray people would come to know Christ because of our faithfulness. Lord, just do amazing things because of our service to you. And we're going to trust you in all things. We we love you and we serve you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is open. Is your challenge this morning to pray for somebody or challenged in your faith and your commitment? It's an opportunity for you to respond. You come as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.